What's up, Chapel family? Pastor Bobby here. Wish I could be with you this morning, but Toya and myself were in Guatemala with our mission partners, Hands of Hope, with Eric and Amanda Hunt from right here in the Shoals, who them and their family have moved all the way to Guatemala to give their lives the mission to advancing God's kingdom. As we're here finalizing details of our trip, our chapel team trip in July of 2023, so that way you can be prepared to come and make a difference on the mission field as well. And so with lots of stuff going on, I want you to know next Sunday, we get into our Christmas planning series, all the stuff get ready to celebrate Jesus coming from heaven to earth. And we're gonna start that with a new series called Season of Waiting. We're talking about the blessings of waiting. And so we're getting ready for that, but this week is Thanksgiving. So from our family to yours, happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope you have a great time with family, memories, friendships, but also reflecting on this past year and seeing all the blessings God has given you and your family. And so with that being said, today you are blessed. I know I'm not there, but I'll be watching because my good friend, Pastor Tim Matthews, is gonna bring the word. He is an incredible, incredible preacher, incredible, godly, spirit-filled man, deep in theology, but just a heart for God's church and his kingdom. He's part of our Radiant Network. He helps Pastor Lee oversee many of the ministries at Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. But he also has one of the greatest voices you'll ever hear. So when I come back, I'm going to have a deeper voice, try to make sure I can keep up with this incredible voice, but also incredible man of God. So if you would get your heart ready, get your mind ready, if you would stand to your feet and please welcome my friend, Pastor Tim Matthews. Thank you. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 73, 25 and 26. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. John chapter 6, verse 35. For me to live is Christ. Everyone say Christ. Christ. And to die is gain. Philippians 1, verse 21. You see, the psalmist poetically and powerfully writes that in every reality, whether it's heaven or earth, that it's God that they desire above all. That God is their hope. God is their strength. That God is their prize. Jesus says that satisfaction, fulfillment is only reserved for those who hunger and thirst after the right things. Jesus also says, those who come to me, those who put their faith and trust and believe in me shall never hunger, shall never thirst. And then finally, the Apostle Paul says something that hits me every time I read it. That for him to live, his one purpose, his one hope, his one focus, his telos is one word, Christ. And to die is gain. Now, here's my question for you this morning. How can these words from these authors become true of our lives? Do the scriptures provide any stories, commands, or principles that when believed and obeyed, we actually come to church, encounter God for who he truly is, and he changes us from the inside out? 
Can we actually leave transformed? I believe that to be true. Do you? So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, please open up to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 29. Verse 29. Now, this one I'm going to tell you, all right? When I talk, I need you to talk back to me. It doesn't make you more holy, but it helps the preacher. Amen? Amen. You can shout me down. You can run. Security, don't tackle anybody, all right? We're going to have a good time in God's house this morning. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. This is God's word. Word of God says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jump down to verse 35. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus. And as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Verse 38, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. The title of today's message is this, what do you want? What do you want? And let me pray for us. Father, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Holy Spirit, we desperately need you. God, what we know not teach us, what we have not, please give us, and what we are not, please make us for your glory and our good in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen, amen. You can keep your Bibles open right there, John chapter 1. What do you want? Let's look back at verse 29. It says this. The next day he saw Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Coming toward him, it said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist wants everyone to see who he saw. He said, I actually am the one that that the Old Testament prophesied, somebody that will come to prepare the way of the Lord. So when he saw Jesus, you got to remember, this is the same John the Baptist that when he was in his mother's womb, he leapt, filled with the spirit before his feet touched the earth. He wants everyone to get Jesus. Behold Jesus. John declares that Jesus is the very lamb of God. Now, why is that important? Now, here's this. The world offers and can give us a lot of things in this life, but it can't take away our sin, which keep us from having eternal life. The world can offer us a lot of things. People go like, why do people love the world? I'm like, because the world can give you some dope things. That's why. There's a lot of things the world can give us, but the world can't offer us life now and life eternal because Jesus is the one who said, I'm the one who came that you may have life and life to the fullest. He actually says that I am life. Behold the Lamb of God. Jump to verse 35 again. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold the Lamb of God. Again, John wants everyone, every heart and every eye focused on the man Christ Jesus. He really wants people to get it. He wants people to get him. So much so, you remember what John the Baptist says this? He says, listen, I come baptizing you with water, but the one after me, he's going to come baptize you with fire. 
John gets it. I love John and his humility. He actually says that I must decrease so that he must increase. You see, when you really want Jesus, it not only puts him in his rightful place, but it puts us in our rightful place. Now, it's not like thinking too less of ourselves because John knew who he was, but he also knew who he wasn't. Watch this. He says, I'm not even worthy to tie this man's shoes. But he also says, but I am the voice in the wilderness who called to prepare the way. John wants them to behold, to get Jesus. And him repeating himself reminds me of these gospel truths because this is what I believe. I believe behold the Lamb of God. These five words can summarize the Christian life. Here's a couple of these gospel truths for you this morning. Listen, we behold Jesus for justification. When God pronounces his sinner to be righteous because of that sinner's faith in Christ, we behold Jesus for sanctification. The process by which God sets us apart, fills us with his spirit, and we look to Jesus to behold him so that we could become more like him. We behold Jesus in our glorification. A level one author wrote, he said, God's final removal of sin from the life of the saints so that they stand faultless before him in glory and in eternity. Think about this, church. We will have direct and unhindered access to God's presence, and we will enjoy holy communion with him throughout eternity. That day is coming. That day is coming. See, before I move on from behold the Lamb of God, we, we have to get this because some of us, we've forgotten the gospel. We believe that we must behave before we can behold. But the gospel is this. You have to see me if you want to be me. You have to get me first. You see, the gospel isn't clean yourself up, then come to Jesus. The gospel is come as you are and watch what Jesus would do in your life. We have to behold the Lamb of God. We have to get him. John the Baptist announces the arrival of Jesus. Let's see what happens next. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? Now we have to put ourselves in a story. Really imagine this. Imagine you hear the arrival of the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. And not only do you hear about Jesus, you actually see him. You can see him. God made flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. You can see him. You can hear him. What do he smell like? I don't know. But, but like he's actually there. Like he's there. He's a real person. You can see him. And, and, and so you see him and you just begin following him. Now, the scriptures doesn't tell us how long the disciples followed him. But we know some time went by. So imagine Jesus is walking, you just follow him. Some of you are like, Tim, that's kind of creepy. I know, but they did it, all right? They're just following him. And imagine this. Jesus turns to you and asks you this question. What are you seeking? Another way of saying that is this. What do you want? Really, what do you want? What a powerful question from the world's most powerful person. They have at least an idea of who Jesus is. So I believe, using my holy imagination, that their answer must contain some truth. Imagine Jesus in the flesh 
the very love of God personified, looking at you in the eye and asking you that question. What do you want? What do you hunger and thirst for? If I can give you anything in the world, what would that be? Take a moment and think about that. How would you respond? How would I respond? The disciples answers Jesus' question with another question. They say this. It said, they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, I don't believe they're concerned about location. They're not looking for like a fresh Airbnb in Galilee, right? Like that's not what they're going after. Where are you staying? No, 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 no. See, they're not concerned about a location. They want to be wherever Jesus is. Jesus asked them, what do you want? Their response is, we want to be where you are. Another way to do that, what we just sung. Jesus, we want you. Jesus, we want you. We heard of your arrival. We've heard the stories. John the Baptist is on the scene and we've been following him. But we knew that someone was going to come that was greater than him. And now that great one is here and you can give us anything in the world because to be the Lamb of God, that means you're the creator of the world. But before you give me anything, let me make one thing straight. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I want you. Where are you staying? Jesus, I want you. I want you. I find this exchange so engaging and convicting at times because if Jesus were to ask me that question, I don't know if I would give that answer. Give you a reason why. My wife and I, we have two kids at home. Our daughter is eight and our son is six. And just earlier this week, we found out that we have twin identical girls on the way. Like identical twins. I know, pray for me. Yes, hallelujah. If you want one, let me know. I can FedEx it. You know, like, pray for us going from two to four. My wife was like, I need a new car. I'm like, okay, I need new money. But um, she got the car, by the way. She wins. But, um, but, but I am, I'm, I'm so thankful for the gift of my wife our two kids, the girls that are on the way, they're gifts. And more than anything, I've been praying for these babies every single day. I've been praying for my wife every single day. There's something about that news that made me excited, but then there's something about that news that was kind of overwhelming, which drove me to dependency on God. And that's a good thing. But I have to remind myself that they're gifts and I cannot love the gifts that God gives me more than him. Hear me. Do I desire the health of my babies more than I desire the very presence of God? What is it that you want? Is this some, do you want what God could give you more than him himself? More than God? The disciples asked Jesus, where are you staying? Let's see how Jesus responds to their request. Verse 39, he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. I love this part. Jesus doesn't reject their request to be with them. 
and he invites them to be wherever he is and to follow him. This truth mattered then and it matters today because the God we serve is the same, what? Yesterday, today, and what? Forever. Watch. Jesus did not and does not reject those who want him. Let me say that again. Jesus did not and does not, this is a present day reality, reject anyone who actually wants him. Let's remind ourselves of the good news, church. Let's remind ourselves of the gospel. The gospel teaches us that God pursued us, revealed perfect love to us through Jesus. And we rejected him, but that rejection led to a cross. And that cross led to a tomb, but that tomb led to a resurrection that made, that made revelation and relationship with God a thing to be grasped. So if you're here today and you really want Jesus, he won't reject you. Well, Tim, how do you know that? Because he was already rejected so that he can have you. He already went to the cross. Like, Tim, he doesn't want me. Well, do you know what your sin already did to him? Come on. We got to remind ourselves of the gospel. It's good news. The only thing, one author put it this way, the only thing we contributed to our salvation was the sin that made it necessary. So if he loved us at our worst, and at our worst, he gave us his very best. Why would he, as now we are his children, his sons and daughters, why would he not accept us now? Paul says this, he who gave his son, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Jesus won't reject you. And as one pastor put it this way, for those who have received the gift of salvation, let me remind you of this. Not only did Christ not reject you, he doesn't regret saving you. He doesn't regret it. I don't want you to see men and women on this stage and like, oh, I know they're getting to heaven, boss. And then it comes to you like Jesus, you meet Jesus. when He's like, ah, oh, Father, here she is. You know, here he is only by the blood. I mean, just say, no. That's, that's not how this works. I believe, using my holy imagination, that God is more excited about our arrival into his kingdom than I am of my twins coming to earth. Because we belong to him. He doesn't regret saving you. That's why he says, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Well, why is that? Well, you know how much it costs me to have you? My very life. My very breath. Jesus did not and does not reject those who want him. Why? He was already rejected so that he can have us. But when I think about my life at times, and maybe this could be true of yours, there are moments, confessions from a pastor, where I don't wake up. When, when I wake up and the first thing on my mind isn't amazing grace. There are days where I honestly do not want to follow Jesus. There are days where I choose to live according to my flesh and not walk by the Spirit. There are days when I know I should want him above all things, but I want all things above him. I don't know if that's true of you, but I'm talking about me. One author says this, it says, for the love of God, this is the love of God to keep his commands and that the commands of God are not burdensome. What does that mean? People who actually want God follow the will of God, the commands and the rules of God because they want God to rule their lives. But let's be honest. I talked about me. Now I'm going to talk about you. At times, you don't want to follow Jesus. Oh, Tim, you don't know me. Oh, I know you. 
Why? Come on, come on. We're all works in progress. Amen. None of us have arrived. If you think you arrived, that's proven. That's proof that you have not arrived. Right. There's days you don't want them. There's days that you don't love them with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. There's moments when you want the things of the world more than you want God. So what do we do? What happens when we don't want him? Well, I have good news for us. God will give us the want to want him. He'll give it to you. When you don't want him, I believe the scripture teaches that he will actually give us the want to want him. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let me break that down. God gives us the desire to do what he created us to do for his glory. We please God because God puts in us the motivation and the power to please him. That's good preaching. Can I get an amen? You got to get this. You're like, Tim, sometimes I don't want God. He'll be like, that's okay. I'm going to put the want for you to want me. I'll give it to you. Right? Peter says that, it's that, that God actually given us all things we need for life and godliness. You lack nothing. Oh, I got to preach, but I can't. Well, here we go. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Lack, I shall not want. He will give us the want to want him. Jesus taught us that the greatest command is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. You've heard that before, correct? But here's the thing, biblically, how does that happen? Does it start with you? Does it start with God? How does one come to love God, to truly want him? Does it begin with us? I believe the Bible tells us a different story. Let me wash you with the word of God. Just listen. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. God circumcises, cuts away all the dead things of our hearts so that we can even begin to love him with all our hearts. Ezekiel wrote this, and I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all of your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey all of my rules. Did you hear that? God cleanses us, gives us a new heart and fills us with his spirit so that we can follow him. Are y'all with me? Let the word of God wash over you. Jeremiah says this, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they all will know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Someone should say hallelujah about that. God removes our sin, remembers them no more, and teaches us what? How does he teach us? By writing the law, his law, on our hearts. 
Let me put it all together. God circumcises, God cleans, God removes, God gives, God fills, God writes, God teaches, God forgives so that we can know, love, and walk according to his will and his way with great joy. Amen, chapel. This is the scriptures. Notice, I haven't even jumped to the New Testament. Why? Because some of you, you got some bad theology. I'm going to talk about you to your face. You promise to love me? All right, here we go. Some of you think it was grace in the New Testament, not in the Old Testament. Uh Uh-uh, it was grace from Genesis to Revelation. Some of us, we have this theology like like God was just this mean guy in the Old Testament. And Jesus came was like, oh, daddy, don't kill them because I love them. No, 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 no. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. He embodied who God was, right? This is Old Testament. Why? If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're going to need God to do it. It begins with him. But let's jump to the New Testament. You need more scripture? I got it for you. Thessalonians says this. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. Titus says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope at the appearing of the glory of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all unlawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own profession, his own possession, who are zealous for good works. God sanctifies, God trains, God redeems, God restores, God purifies so that we, his bride, can be blameless when we stand before him and zealous to do all that he commands us to do before we meet him. Jesus will give you the want to want him. Why? Because this, it takes God to love God. It takes God to love God. So why is that important? Because as a young man, and even growing up now, when I hear people talk about love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, they leave out the gospel. You need a new heart. Your heart was never enough. You need Holy Spirit strength. Our strength was never enough. Our souls need to be restored and redeemed. It begins with God. If you're here this morning, you're just trying to love God and trying to love God and trying to love God. What what would happen if you did this? Hey, God, help me love you. What if you prayed that? Come on, a two-word prayer that would change your life. Help me. Help me love you. Men, I haven't been married that long. My wife and I have been together since we're 16. I'm 36. We've been married for 12 years. But let me tell you something I learned. When I go up to my wife, my sweet Southern belle, Miss Georgia from Virginia, and I say, what's up, baby girl? She goes, hey. And I say, hey, Georgie, what can I do today to love you? And would you help me do it? Hey, guys, you're welcome. Can you imagine just how your spouse will respond if you walked up to her and said, I want to love you, but I need some help. Would you help me love you? 
Now, maybe some of you got some married problems. I know we prayed for them this morning. Maybe she would say, figure it out. I don't know. But hopefully she'll be a little bit more gracious. She may say, I already told you how. <laughs> right? Like, she may have done that, right? <laughs> we can go before our God and say, Father, help me love you. It takes God to love God. Come on, let's be real. Let's make it practical. Have you ever prayed this before? Like, maybe even when it comes to prayer, and I know this is a house of prayer, but raise your hand. Seriously, I really want you to raise your hand, okay? Raise your hand if you began praying, and all of a sudden, your mind became, like, just gets distracted from to-do lists to things going on in the world. Let me see hands. Let me see hands, right? Just get distracted. Okay. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to, while I'm praying, I get distracted, so then I stop praying, and then I pray about praying. You know what I mean? Like, just that, that cycle? Okay. Here's what's cool about that. Have you ever prayed this prayer for, like, God, just help me in this. God, help me talk to you. God, help me pray. God, help me love you. If you pray that prayer, let me show you the miracle what I'm trying to show you through the text. Do you believe it's your spirit that's praying that? Do you believe, oh, it's just your thoughts? What if I told you that anytime you pray, God, help me pray to you, he's already at work answering that prayer by giving you the motivation to say it. Some of you, you've been defeated in prayer thinking you don't know how to pray. And God's like, no, baby girl, you're good. No, son, you're okay. Because you're just saying, God, help me. I'm already doing it. I'm already doing it. God, help me read your word. Do you think that came from you? You're just that good. You just love the Bible that much. God, help me love my neighbors. God, help me love my enemies. God, help me love that random uncle that we all have at Thanksgiving that we don't want to sit next to. Where do you think that's coming from? Your heart or the Father's heart? When you're praying those types of prayers, I want you to remind yourself that the miracle is already taking place. He's already doing it inside of you. Let me simplify this so that we can grasp it. We understand this, right? Because if we want to love God and we want to live holy lives, we understand that it takes the Holy Spirit to live what? A holy life. Why? Because it takes God to love God. Well, Tim, I don't want God. Great. Go to him. Tell him that and say, God, give me the desire to want you. And then when you hear yourself say it, you're like, oh, God, you're already doing it. It's his grace. It's always his grace. It's always his patience. It's always his kindness that leads us to repentance. You see, when Jesus was on the cross and died, he said it is finished but he didn't say, I am finished. They put Jesus' body in a tomb, but he didn't stay there, did he? The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the grave. Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. We get that, but some of us just think he's just sitting there. No. The Bible says he's our high priest, and at this very moment, he's making intercession. On our behalf, think about this. Every time you pray, you never pray alone. You have the Father who's listening. 
You have Jesus who's making intercession, who's praying on your behalf. And then you also have the gift of the Holy Spirit that's praying, that's praying things inside that you can't even put words to. Every time you bow the knee and get in the presence of God in prayer, you have the Holy Trinity on your side. I need you to see this. I need you to behold this. I need you to get him. The same spirit that went inside that tomb and raised him up from the grave. You know this. It's the same spirit that dwells within us. The spirit that descended on Jesus after his baptism is the same spirit that baptizes us to live on mission. God will give you the want to want to. It takes God to love God. And the third person of the Holy Trinity will empower us and will change us. Okay, Tim, I, I, I get that, but... You're missing the point, Tim, because in the story, they actually saw Jesus. I've never seen him embodied. If I could just see him, if I could just hear his words, if I could hear the tone of his voice, if I could experience the miracles, then guess what? I'll drop everything as well, and I'll follow him as well. Listen to what the scriptures say about that. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Jesus said to them, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, we're not off the hook because we can't physically see Jesus. Especially when Jesus explicitly says that there's a blessing for us, for those who believe and haven't yet seen. But there's more. What if I told you just because you can't see Jesus physically, you can still see his body? Just because you can't see Jesus embodied, you can still see his body. You're like, Tim, what do you mean? Look around. Look around. We're not only called the bride of Christ, we're called the what? The body. The body of Christ. If you want to see Jesus, bump into his body. Plant yourself in the local church so that you can flourish. This is the body of Christ. This gathering, among others across the world right now, represents the body of Christ. Why does that matter? Because if you're here this morning and you want to grow in your love and your devotion, all these songs, listen, we sung some beautiful songs. These, these worship leaders are leading us into the presence of God by his spirit, and it's beautiful. But it always reminds me when I'm in, that's why I got on my knees and I was just praying to God, because it always reminds me of that Raven Hero quote. He said this, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. Christians don't tell, they sing, what do you mean by that? I want to give God my all. I really do. I really do. But then there's moments that I really don't. So what do I do in that? I get on my knees before the holy God and I go before his throne of grace, knowing that I can find help in time of need. And if there's any need that the church needs today in order that revival will break out, it's not with the love for the world. It's actually the love for God. It's not just the love for one another. It's our love for God. We need our love for Jesus to be revived. 
Like, do you love them? Like, truly love them? Truly love them no matter what? Do you love God? And if you truly want to grow in your relationship with God, guess what? You got to get connected to his body. You got to get connected to people. Here at chapel, you have champions, correct? You need to get around a champion. Watch this, and I'm going to say it. Don't get me in trouble, okay? I'm going to say it. You need to get around a champion, let's be real, who loves God more than you do. Well, Tim, it doesn't work that way. Says who? Says who? Of course. If you don't like that language, how about this? More mature in their faith than yours. You need to get around an intercessor. Now, listen, I know those prayer people can be weird. I get it. And prayer people, you know who you are. And I say this in the most honoring. Why? Because what intercessors get is that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So if you ever get around an intercessor and you're like, she's not here right now. You're right. <laughs> They're somewhere else. <laughs> They're warned. But you need to get yourself around some praying men and some praying women. You need to get yourself around some people who actually love God enough to let the world know about their faith. You need to get around some people who aren't ashamed of the gospel. Come on, how does life transformation happen? Yes, it takes God to love God, and what God has given us as a gift is the church. Some of you just need to get around somebody else who's just further along than you. And guess what? And just let, let their spirit, let that anointing just brush off on you a little bit. Some of us, oh, you're not going to like this one, but I love you. Send emails to Pastor Bobby. All right, here we go. Some of you, you need to submit to spiritual leadership. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is that? How can you honor God if you don't honor the men and women he's placed in your life to help lead and serve you? You just got to submit. You've had the, listen, I'm a pastor. We love you. We love you. We love meeting with you. We love praying with you. We love believing God for you. But some of you, you come to us with the same thing every time. And you know what we want to say, but we don't, but I say it sometimes. You know what we want to say? We want to say, hey, how about this? How about you just submit and do what I told you to do last week? And once you do that, come back into my office. Because I'm tired of playing the games, church. Life and death are in the balance. And some of you, you need to submit yourself to the spiritual leadership, ready, of this house. Of this house. Oh, no, 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 Tim, I, I don't need the church. I only need Jesus. Well, here's the problem with that. Jesus is called the head of the church. Do you want to just carry Jesus around without the body? Come on, how weird that will look. Oh, I just need Jesus, but I don't, come on. No, 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 you can't have Jesus if you don't want his bride. If you want Jesus, you got to get connected to the church. You got to submit your life under the rules of this house. Why? Not so that they may dominate you, but that you become a resilient disciple of Jesus Christ. Because God has given the church the apostles and the prophets and the teachers, you know, all the fivefold gifts. Why? So to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Some of you, you've been attending chapel, but you haven't joined the family. And today, hear the word of the Lord. The reason why you're walking in loneliness and coldness of heart is because you have not yet submitted to the body of Christ. And when you do, you'll realize the gift that she is. Now, some of you are like, but Tim, you don't know these people. 
You're just visiting. They got some issues. You right. Know who else got issues? You do. I do. Some of you need to take the next step. I don't know what the membership process is here, but you just, you need to do that to grow in your love for God. It takes God to love God. What do you want? Like, really think about it. What do you want? Right now, would everyone just close your eyes and bow your head? I want us to just allow a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to ask you that question. What do you want? What are you seeking? What are you after? What is your goal? Jesus is so generous with his voice. He says, my sheep hear it. Sure, it may not be like this audible voice the same way you hear mine this morning, but just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Allow God to say, what is it that you want? And here's the beautiful thing. You can go messy and you can be honest. You could be honest. For some of us, your response could be something like this. God, I, I know I should want you, God. I really want, but I, I, I just don't right now. Some of you can honestly say, God, I really don't even want to be here. But you can come humbly before him. You can go honest. If we confess our sins, if we're just real with ourselves and, and talk to him about it, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to what? And to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Man, there's a cleansing for you today. But God can't bless who you pretend to be. So just go before him and say, God, this, this is just kind of where I am. Some of us, this is going to be your first time talking to him this morning. Just say, good morning. Father, good morning. My prayer for us today is that God will continue to work in our lives, our minds, our hearts our habits, and that we would truly submit to his work. That God would give us the humility to depend on him and his body, the church. For some reason, I'm just here. I, there are people here. You ha join the church. Come be a part of the family. Be seen. Be known. Be taught the ways of God. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to first submit yourself to discipleship. Who's discipling you? Who's, who's teaching you the ways of God? Who is showing you how to embody the love of God for your life, your family, your friends, the world?
That's the church's role. That's, that, that's what Christ bled for us, to give you this gift, this new family that's not dependent on race or socioeconomic standing, but, but, but people from every tongue, every tribe receive that gift. What do you want? Let me close by reading this doxology to you just as a blessing. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen.